Hello guys, uh, so this is just, uh, as I said before, in uh, a couple weeks ago, I think it would have been now, I said that I'd be recording intros now for the podcast, for most of the episodes, for the, you know, for the uh, foreseeable future, and so this week uh, is just me for an episode, and then the week after will also just be me, because that's when the BAFTAs are, and I'll give my opinions on that. And then I've got the Oscars episode, which will be the week after that. And then the week after that will be the, the day the Oscars happen. And then I'll do an episode with sort of my reactions to the Oscars. I'll be the guest for that one. I, and that episode might not come out on Monday. It might come out on Tuesday. It really depends on if I can get someone in to record an episode for that day. So, yeah, this week we'll be cover- I will be covering the uh, 2010 Danny Boyle-directed film 127 Hours. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode about the movies with William Fletcher. As per usual, I am your host, William Fletcher, and this week I will be covering the 2010 Danny Boyle film 127 Hours, starring James Franco and... and a couple other people but also not really because it's they're not really in it because they don't really matter because they it's it's just it's just dave dave it's not dave franco it's james franco james franco's story this film um yeah so i'm just gonna yeah talk about this film for a little bit about yeah 20 30 minutes or so give or take uh just sort of going through the film in mind as i do with a lot of the episodes that are just me by myself um so yeah, this film, 127 Hours, was uh, initially released on the 4th of September 2010 at Telluride Film Festival before getting a sort of wide release uh, November 5th in the United States and the 7th of January 2011 in the United Kingdom. This film was, uh, was, was I've, I've been aware of this film for a few years now. It was a, a big hit. A lot of people really liked it. It got nominated for Best Picture. I, I think James Franco was nominated for Best Actor that year, alongside great other other great or a great other you know performances like Jesse Eisenberg in the Social Network or eventual winner Colin Firth in The King's Speech. It uh, it, it received many nominations. It also got it got yeah Best Picture Actor. I think adapted screenplay potentially. Uh, original song i think it did i i need to see so it uh, it was nominated for six oscars best picture best actor adapt screenplay original score original song and editing which is like that's a that's a pretty good selection of nominations again all very well deserved except for original song which i don't 90% 90% of best original songs just occur during like the end credits very rarely are they actually in the film itself like, I'm trying to think of like Can You Feel the Love Tonight is is, a, is probably one of the biggest examples of, of a film using a song in the story and you're hearing it in the film a lot of the others it's kind of like well this played during the open the end credits of the film so it just you know is like eh, you know but and I and I don't really remember the song from it. But this film is uh, very good, very very. Uh, I don't want to say enjoyable because it's not like it's a fun film to watch. I mean, it's a a man gets his arm trapped in a like in a f- between a fucking rock and he has to cut it off. Like uh, like uh, sort of in a general sense, this is a very well made film on a, on a technical level I think uh, the best editing and original score nominations are very well justified I think 
the editing is absolutely superb. It, it there's a lot of you know there's like there's a lot of frantic editing, which I think really helps sell the film and, and really works well to sort of illustrate how frantic and a bit chaotic the film can be at, uh, at several points throughout its runtime. I think the score is also very good, especially in the very early stages before he gets uh, trapped. Very, it, it, it's very, yeah, very well made. It's got beautiful cinematography. There's some absolutely fantastic shots of these sort of surrounding areas of, of all the various uh, of all the rock formations and him going you know over and around the canyons it's a uh, on, on yeah on, a, on the technical level it's, it's very well put together you know and a lot of the film is I, I don't know if they shot i don't know i assume based on how it looks i assume they must have shot some of the film in the actual locations i i would be i, I kind of assume that that sort of because it's like just outside it's and so yeah and so they yeah they, they were two cinematographers they had two cinematographers so that uh, Danny Boyle and James Franco could uh, work for long sections of the day and then you know without tiring people out so these cinematographers could swap and you know one would shoot 50% the other would do you know the other did the other half so they shot in utah and they yeah and so they did shoot i assume they would have shot in the uh, area where the event the uh unfortunate events occurred because it just it's not like it's a crazy um I mean, it's just like wild, not wilderness, but it's sort of like you know, big rock formations and that kind of stuff. It's uh, it's very uh, like it, it it's it sort of feels real. It doesn't feel like a set or anything, presumably because obviously it wasn't a set. They they shot in the actual places where everything happened. So I uh, I assume that they you know went to the prop the real locations where everything happened and then just shot and then just put james franklin and just shot it um james franklin does an, an absolutely uh spec an absolutely fantastic job in this probably my favorite performance i've seen from him i know he's not like the greatest person in the world right you know but i think james franklin is absolutely superb in this uh, film and I think you know yeah, nominated yeah alongside Colin Firth and King's Speech Javier Bardem in Beautiful Jeff Bridges in True Grit Jesse Eisenberg in The Social Network and uh, James Franco in 127 Hours I think he is absolutely he's absolutely fantastic in the film I think that he gives yeah probably a career best performance and I do love his performance in The Disaster Artist I, I don't know if I've touched on that or not but I think he is absolutely hysterical in that film um i also am aware that spring breakers is a film that he was in that he was uh, supposedly very good in i think he gave a really good performance in 127 hours uh, i think because a lot of the film is just him by himself trapped behind this rock and so he's got to really just sort of hit certain emotional levels and and, it's, and it can be hard to kind of hit that especially since it's not like it's him recruit i mean he's recreating it but he didn't actually get his you know his arm stuck in behind a rock for real that and you know you had to actually cut it off you know it's and there's so many grits in there and there's so many um really great bits where he gets like the camera and he turns it on and he, and he talks to the camera 
as, like as a message for Sam and I, and I think like, oh, this is really good stuff. I I think you know that's those scenes in particular are where Franco really shines because he just he really sells the emotions behind it all and like when he's doing it for like the first dance and there's just so much true great acting on show i think this is one of the like it's it's a film that works that if franco's performance wasn't as good it, it the film wouldn't work as well like he him being like james franco giving as good a performance as he does really makes this film work so much better in a way that it really wouldn't work if he wasn't as good in it and it's you know it's a really yeah a very excellent performance he gives one probably his career best and probably will forever be his career best especially considering you know recent um events that have come to light but i i think like he has you know, create it. He 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 gave he gives a, a very gr- good you know performance, and I do think that he has you know it, like it, it's a very much like a performance that you know it's not like it, like could have been done by other actors. Like absolutely, like tons of actors could have and probably would would have done this role just as good. But I definitely think that he is super like it is just absolutely excellent in this um and yeah he gives you know an an, abso- an absolutely fantastic performance in uh the film and so yeah it's uh, i um yeah i think it's a very well yeah I, i've talked about you know a lot of the technical aspects i think in terms of a screenplay it's very well written i i'm aware that not everything is exactly accurate i think there's a in fact there's a bit on the wikipedia page about the film that talks about how authentic it is so i i will grab that and then just sort of read from it uh the the actual man this is based on aaron ralston uh so he the encounter there's an encounter early on i guess i can sort of go through a bit of the plot of the encounter he has with two hikers is uh it was slightly altered so uh, in the film he if you haven't seen the film spoilers he uh, shows <clears throat> he shows these two swimmers he shows these two of the hikers like uh, in the film he shows them this hidden pool and they you know swim around and do stuff like that and then uh, but in reality he just showed them basic uh climbing routine. and then he said he was initially uncomfortable by these changes but he then and then he goes on to say that the rest of the film is, is like factually accurate to the point that it is basically a documentary as close to a documentary you can get and still be like a drama and so let's just see there's other you know there's tons of different things uh that talk about various different points, uh, sort of authenticity in this film. And there's a, uh, in the film, actually, James Franco, um, Aaron, this uh, the man who is, he is portraying, never says, he, uh, in the script, he's never uttered, he never utters the word our, which is factually accurate to the original, uh, sorry, it's, uh, it's factually accurate to, to what actually happened in real life so 
you know, he does scream and he does shout and he does go through some pain and he's obviously not happy about the whole thing, but he definitely, he, he never says, ow, which, you know, I kind of am like, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't really, if I was in that position, for example, which I thankfully have never been, which is good, um, it, uh, it, it, it really just, this film really, it, excels and at, at, at sort of showing the human condition I guess is it, it, in a sort of sense of it really sort of perfectly I would go as far as say illustrates and shows sort of the the absolute hell that this man went through and he pulls out on the other side I, I don't think it's spoilers to say that he survives at the end because well I did say that the guy who did this you know said like said as much I, I did mention that like the guy who this is based off of said yeah it's actually accurate so just me saying that basically gives away the fact that he survived but I was a new of that, who, of, of that going into the film, so it, it, it didn't really work for me, it didn't like, it didn't detract from my enjoyment, or like, it, it, it took nothing, nothing was lost by knowing the fact that, that the guy that this is based off of is still alive, and he, you know, was involved in this film, I, it took nothing away, I don't think this is a film where it is not like a oh my god is this gonna happen is this guy gonna survive or not it's more a case of like you know he's gonna survive but you just but you just want him to and you just want to get to that point where he gets free and so there's a bit about a little over halfway into the film or so where he gets free where he his arm you know uh, his arm is uh, for those who haven't seen it and are still listening his arm is trapped behind a rock he he's like climbing down this thing and and he's holding onto this rock but it slips it falls it, it crushes his arm about a half of his forearm like his hand and like half of his forearm is trapped behind this rock and so he's stuck for I think it's like nearly a week or so he's stuck behind there he so about six day six so six years he six years <laughs> jesus now six days imagine if he stuck for six years he would have died six days he was stuck behind there for six days and, and you know he had to ration out food and he had to ration out water there is a bit in the film where he loses like 90 percent of it so he then has to drink his urine which is gross but it is you know if you need to that's sort of a if you're pushed to that point you know you kind of have to you know no no it's not like he it's not like anyone wants to drink urine it's just if you're pushed that point to survive people will do that so and he you know and this film like i i, I knew that he got out and I was, and I wanted him to get out, and I knew he would, but it's just, there were so many moments where I was like, shit, he, he might be able to get it, because there's, like, a, a bit at one point where he sets up, like, a pulley system with, like, all his ropes and everything, because he's, you know, he's a hiker, and he, and he climbs on things, so he's got these things set up, so he throws the rope, and then, you know, he tries using a pulley system, but he's only got one arm, because the other arm is completely screwed and just gone, 
dead. So he tries to, you know, pull it up, and then he tries to, you know, lift it up, and, you know, he obviously can't, and then he has, you know, various... He has, you know, sort of, um... He has, uh, and, you know... This is um this is a film where there isn't really there's a lot to talk about if you've got like another person on but because it's just me I'm sort of breezing through this because so much of this film is just James Franco stuck behind a rock uh, and I think that works to its benefit I think if I think if it wasn't mostly that it kind of would be like well that's not as interesting I think we that the fact that we focus on this one guy trapped behind this one rock in this one canyon for six days is why the film works so well. Because if it was anything else, it'd just sort of be like, well, it's not as interesting. But because it's, you know, it's it's this one guy, I think, it works super well. And I think he... Yeah, again, I, I keep going back to this, but James Franco gives an excellent performance. And, and this film really sort of solidifies how great of a filmmaker Danny Boyle is. I, uh, I've, I've seen... I've seen, um, yeah, 127 Hours, which is great. 28 Days Later, which is... Uh, also a really enjoyable zombie film, a sequel not so much, I covered it in an episode back in January, so go listen to that one for my full thoughts on that film, and uh, the first film I saw of his was Trainspotting, because, you know, it's, it's arguably his most iconic work, it's only the one, I mean, it's the only, I mean, it spawned a sequel out of it, people loved it so much, so, and I love Trainspotting so much, and I would very much love to do an episode covering Trainspotting at some point on the podcast, but that is irrelevant and that is for the future uh, future me to decide but this film just it really solidifies how great of a, of a filmmaker Danny Boyle is because these because train spotting 28 days later and 127 hours are completely different kinds of films you know this 28 days later is like a zombie film you know it's a, a bit more on the horror side 127 hours is more of a, like a thriller I guess with more sort of you know it's just with one guy and the train spotting is a is a very uh, it's got a lot of dialogue and it's a lot of char- and it's a lot of characters talking about stuff and you know about druggies and that kind of stuff. But it it all works so well and and Danny Boyle is able to work through those and you know he's done he, Danny Boyle's done so many different kinds of films. You know, Yesterday, which is more on the comedic, light-hearted side. You know, you got Sunshine, which is on the sci-fi uh, spectrum of it all. Steve Jobs, which is again based off a real per, which is based off a real person, like 127 Hours is, and yeah, it's just all those other films sort of go across various different genres and motifs and stuff. And this is better than 28 Days Later, in my personal opinion. I think it works uh, a lot better as a film. Personally, I think it's better written. I'm more invested in the characters. I mean, I I don't particularly care for zombie films overall like there's some really good ones like the the george romero of the dead trilogy is pretty great mostly um shawn of the dead one of my all-time favorite films the evil dead franchise now because i started watching versus evil dead you know but i just don't i didn't really connect with the characters as much in 28 days later whereas this even though i knew he survived and i knew he got out i still really really connected with this story with aaron's story of him getting out and, and you know and, and there, yeah there's a couple bits yeah where he where he has these hallucinations or these dreams of him getting out so there's like one where it starts raining and you know all the rain r- washes away the rock and it falls down and he's able to like escape and it's like and in that moment watching the film I was like oh did he actually get out like is this how he gets out and then he like loses the arm later 
Because I, I knew that he gets out and by getting... And he loses his arm. And I was like... And I was like... I was a bit confused because I was like... But I thought I heard that he cuts his arm off to get out. And I'm just sort of like... Okay, this is interesting. And then he goes to his girlfriend's place... Well, at the time, girlfriend's place. And he knocks on the door and she sends him away. And I'm like... Okay, this isn't real. And I, and I was kind of like... This is a bit interesting. And also like... This isn't real, is it? And then, you know, he sort of wakes up and, and he's like, yeah, it's been a dream the entire time. And he has, you know, all these other various uh, sort of realizations about things. He, he keeps, he receives the two hikers he was talking to earlier. He was, you know, talking to them and then was saying he was going to go over to a party the next day. And he's like, oh, I, I didn't do that. And he, you know, there's a bit where he plans to, you know, um, pleasure himself. <laughs> via a paused frame of a video but you know he decides not to and you know he tries earlier on in the film actually we see him trying to cut through his arm and to cut it off but you know it's just super blunt and i'm like okay so it's good but he, and i'm like okay but that's he's going to use that to cut his arm off and it's going to be more excruciating because it's blunt so it'll take longer and so you know he fa- fashions a tourniquet you know around his arm and he sort of, and he tightens it with a carabiner, and then, you know, he starts, <clears throat> he, and then he, <clears throat> he, well, first of all, he breaks his arms, and, 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 you know, it's sort of established that he's sort of familiar with this stuff, because he is, uh, he, he's sort of familiar with the talk, the sort of concept of that, and so he, he sort of twists his arm, and breaks the bones in his, uh, and he, in, like, his forearms, and, you know, of course it hurts because he, he hasn't lost all his feel, feeling he just lost his feeling up to a certain point so it, he you know yells out in pain because you know he breaks he broke his fucking arm and then you know he then you know starts cutting into his you know arm you know with this this blunt multi-tool and it's just it was so cringy and just like gross to watch to see this this guy just like just jab just jamming a mul- a blunt you know multi-tool into his arm and he's just like cutting you know and he's just cutting through his arm and it's like i was when I like when I was aware of it and I heard about it I was like oh he's got like a, he's gonna use like a knife or something right he and I was and I, and I sort of had it sort of in my mind that like yeah he's gonna use like a knife and he's gonna use that to cut through his arm and then when it's introduced earlier the, the blunt multi-tool I was like oh that's what he's gonna use and I was just like prepping myself mentally to because i'm not like i i get i don't get squeamish easily but like it's but the difference is though because i know this is based off a real thing and that adds to it like if it's something else like a, a, a film that's not based in reality at all i usually don't get as squeamish but the, but i do get more squeamish i feel and a bit grossed out by things if I know, like, this happened in real life, an actual person did this, so I was like, so yeah, when he starts, like, trying to cut into his arm with this, you know, this blunt multi-tool, I'm like, 
Oh no, this is gross because it's like he actually did this to himself. He actually used a blunt multi tool to cut through his arm, and it's just like that is so like insane that to 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 have the sort of where the will the wherewithal and and the will and the true like um. I guess need to live to to because I don't think I could survive this kind of situation. Like if I'm being completely honest, if I was in this position and I got stuck, I wouldn't be, you know. I I probably wouldn't survive. I probably would tell people if I was going somewhere where that could happen. As Aaron remembers that he didn't do that. Uh, but I. I probably wouldn't survive if I was in, like, the exact position that Aaron's in. And then, you know, he, you know, after he amputates his arm off, he just, you know, wraps it up so that, you know, he doesn't lose blood and presumably also so he doesn't get infected. And then he, you know, and, uh, you know, it's about this point, you know, he's, he's run out of water. He's been living on his own urine for a couple of days at the very least. So he drinks from a gross-looking pond. Like, it is brown. It is gross. It just isn't very appealing. It's just like, man, that is going to cause something bad in your body, mate. It's not going to be good. But, you know, he, he continues on and he, and he spots a family and then they, you know, they help him and they they give him water and he just downs, like, an entire bottle of water, which is fair enough. You know, he's probably incredibly dehydrated. You know, he probably hasn't had a whole lot of water in the last six days, and he's been living on his urine for a couple of days at this point, surely. And then, you know, he... Yeah, they alert the authorities, and they are able to get him back to safety. Now, I know I discussed authenticity a little bit earlier, and they say that he did send uh, to the people to go ahead and get help, and he walked seven miles before the helicopter came, but in the sort of theatrical version of the film, you don't really see that. It just sort of, like, they disappear, and then it just sort of cuts to, like, oh, here's a helicopter to get him, but there's an alternate ending which sees him, like, continuing on the walk for a little bit longer whilst waiting for the helicopter. I can understand why you'd remove that for a film. It's not necessary to do that. You're just like, yeah, he, you know, you sort of want to just get to the point of, like, yeah, a helicopter can rescue him, and you don't need to see, you know, him walking for the seven miles but <clears throat> and then yeah there's the as is the case with like every biopic every film based on a real person there's like little textual bits at the ends where we see the actual person that the project that the film is based off of and uh you know we only had a kid and now he always remembers to leave notes for his family if he ever disappears and they any you know where he's going and where they can you know how long he'll be and where and everything and it's a very nice, uh, uplifting, you know, happy ending, and and I think that you know works. I, I don't. I mean, to be fair, this film does have a. I mean, the story has a happy ending. The man lived, you know, and he and he made a family, you know, I, you know, and it's, the film is it's a very uplifting ending, and you know, it's yeah, it's a, just a hundred twenty seven hours. It's just a really really good film. It's it was really really great, really. In, uh, not again. I don't want to say enjoyable, but very well made and definitely a film I'd, I'd like to rewatch at some point in the future. So, I am going to give 127 hours an eight out of ten, and that is all for this week's episode. I know that I that this episode is just me on again. I know that's not always the 
uh, a thing that everybody likes, but, you know, I still think it's enjoyable to just talk and vent and get my feelings out, you know, because sometimes that's just nice to just talk to nothing so you can all listen to me and nobody else can interrupt me. But, yeah, so I really hope you enjoyed listening to this week's episode in the intro that we'll be playing just before this. I discussed uh, the next few weeks of episodes of the podcast, so I hope you all uh, really look. F- I hope you all look forward to seeing those episodes, and I will see all of you guys in the next one. Goodbye.